We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How are you, Soph? I'm I'm good. I'm tired. (laughs) Tell us why. So I'm great because we just went on an incredible holiday. It was so good. It was so nice to spend quality family time without the noise of anything else. I feel like I've reached a point where I'm out of that kind of survival mode of postpartum and things are a little bit more predictable. I feel more confident and comfortable with the three of them on my own. I feel like I'm really finding my stride, my new normal, as we would say, in this new parenting of three. So that's really, really great. Awesome time. But I don't know if it's an early four-month regression, if it's because Pearl's just started rolling, if it's because we were away, if it's the moon, whatever it is. Pearl literally wakes up every hour. Oh. Last night I got excited because from when she went to bed to one o'clock, she'd only she was only up to her second wake up. So I got excited. I was like, oh, it's one o'clock. This is only the second time I'm feeding her tonight. She then, no shit, I reckon was every 30 to 60 minutes until like 5.30 this morning when I was just like, I give up. I give up. Let's just get up. Let's just get up. So if anyone else is... Anyone else's brain feels like it's running out of their ear holes. I feel you because I'm so I feel severely hungover, but I had didn't even drink last night. So anyway, that's me. Luckily, this episode was recorded before I went away when I was still having about three hours of sleep at a time. So I feel like I was able to talk then. Not quite sure about now. So when do you? When can you start or if you're going to start again the sleep training, sleep teacher process? Well, it's not really like when can you, it's just if you choose to. And and I'm just not quite sure like how I feel about it this time and if I want to do it this time or if I just kind of ride it out. I mean, with Goldie, I kind of started putting into place like a routine and sleep training at four months with Poppy was at six months. I'm just, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel there. I feel like now that we're back home, I'll probably be a lot more aware of like how long she's awake for, like, you know, making sure she sleeps in her bassinet, like to give her some credit. She was literally basically attached to me like all day. Cause you know, she would be in the carrier. She'd be asleep there. She'd, you know, she was here, there and everywhere. And she was so cruisy during the day to just do whatever we wanted. So I, she got me back at night. <laughs> <laughs> they always do. And how are you? How have your last couple of weeks been? Um, oh gosh, uh, probably not any different to the last few weeks that I've been pissing myself off, to be honest. I feel like 
if anything, they've gotten worse, not better. Which is what's gotten worse, not better. My just the anxiety and depression yeah. this stage that I'm in. And, um, yeah, it's been an incredibly difficult and challenging time these mm. past few weeks. I think, I, I don't know, I've lost count now if I'm on week five or week six, but it's exhausting. It's really, yeah. really exhausting. It's, you know. You don't have to talk about it if you feel like you've said. I feel like I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Like yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful that people are, you know, appreciative of me sharing, but I've got nothing to give and I no, need, you to, need to protect yourself now. I need to give it to myself. Um, so then on top of that, we had, I came down with a physical cold. So I was sick last week and then the whole house, except for Billy, got gastro, except for in me. I didn't get that, lucky. And Oh, lucky. Oh, yeah, no. so lucky. Lucky you. I know. Fuck. And then on the weekend we got a call and found out that uh, my nan broke her arm and went to hospital. So it's been a bit of a, yeah, a, a bit of a time. I am heading to Japan tomorrow and I, I really hope – that I feel excited when I'm there. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm just doing the best I can. You are. You are doing the best you can, and that's enough. I'm booked in to sort some shit out because it's just the the medication's not working this what we've worked out's not working something's not right i shouldn't have to go into depressive episodes every few months it's not normal so we'll get through it and i i just really can't keep doing this every few months it's it's really yeah. paying a toll so i just hope that we can sort it out. It can be fixed or I can yeah. work out another way around it. So 100%. Yeah. Because it's one thing to have, you know, it's enough to have one down week, let alone, as you said, you're coming into like week five or six where you're still just not you. And you just all. feel like it's so. your reality. Like it, it becomes a reality because you feel yeah. like this. Um, and you will get through it again like you have every other time and you will feel like your bright, bubbly hope so. self again. But as you said, you can't be having four, five, six weeks of this every few months. It's not fair. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Ugh. even in terms of going to Japan, <sighs> of course you're grateful, of course you feel lucky for going, but you know, if if you get there, you don't have to do all the things. You don't have to look at your list of things that have yeah. been recommended and places to try. Even if you go there, chill in your robe in the hotel room in peace and quiet, get some room service. Like this doesn't have to be your trip to Tokyo where you see the whole of Tokyo. Like you're just not there. No, I'm doing it for, you know, just to go and have a break. It, the kids aren't coming and Nick and I have had this book since prior to COVID. So we were like, okay, let's let's utilise the tickets and actually go and do it for a week while we can. Now the kids are a little bit older. So we are really looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, maybe it's just what I need to, you know, switch off. I'm not sure. But we shall see. I mean, I know it probably feels like unfortunate timing, but maybe if you just 
change those expectations, it can actually be the perfect fortunate timing. Yeah. It might just, the trip might look a little bit different to what you initially thought. Absolutely. It That's exactly right. I just have yeah. to um, embrace it. Yeah. Fuck, what well, a, what a, what an absolute oh. death. I'm so sick of being on intros at the moment because people are like, <laughs> wow, so let's get into the episode and you've just been hit with a rock. So sorry about that. No, that's really, how was your Mother's Day? My Mother's Day was really nice. I got to spend it with mum and we took in turns of looking after Harry and Mia who had gastro. So. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been like, honestly, it has been a big time. Also, I just like, I'm looking at myself right now. I think I've put on, which is fine. I know people put on weight, but it's just, I'm really looking forward to exercising, eating healthily and feeling good about myself. It's just been six weeks of pretty much eating my feelings. I've just been eating them. And I look like that yeah. little, um, that donut app where you eat the donuts and your face just keeps you on getting bigger. No, <laughs> I, I do. I do. That's just part of you looking at yourself also and not being <laughs> in your usual headspace. As an outsider, you don't, but I will validate your feelings and you can feel <laughs> however you. you want to feel. <laughs> donut girl. It's donut girl for now. For sure. That's fine if that's how you want to look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, just for now. I love this one. I think this is a bit of rude or fabulous slash mum hack and I've got to put my hand up that I have been guilty of this one as okay. well. Rude or fabulous, my one-year-old constantly throws her food out of her high chair. After finishing the meal, I don't immediately clean up the mess and I let her crawl around and after a few minutes, she usually returns to the food and eats another 50% of the food she's thrown on the floor. She eats more and cleans up as she goes. Win, win. (laughs) That's bloody brilliant. Well done. I think it is brilliant. As long as you can like remember the last time you cleaned your floors, I think you're safe to do it. Yeah, you're safe. Let's get into today's episode. We spoke to the beautiful Jess. She is a speech pathologist and we chatted all things dummy and thumb sucking. Now, this is something that often seems quite controversial and there's a lot of stigma around it. So we loved this chat. Definitely came out of it feeling a lot lighter. Absolutely. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Jess. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Before we get started, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay. Thank you guys for having me. My name's Jess and speech pathologist. I also have some oral myology training. So look specifically at the mouth with muscles and the way that the body, I guess, connects. So try to look at things more holistically than just head and neck. I'm also a mum of four and have a mix of dummy users and not. They're older now, so that will be good to have some perspective, I think. Do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) Yeah, we're so excited to chat to you today because we're chatting all about thumb sucking and dummy use. This can be a pretty heated, I guess, discussion where parents have so many questions about, you know, what damage am I causing versus I need to use this to survive. I definitely am keen to hear what you have to say because I have a five-year-old thumb sucker and I have a newborn dummy user. So this is definitely going to be helpful. What do you have in your family? So I had two dummy suckers. And I think the biggest thing about this chat is so much like conversation of what people think and what you should and shouldn't do. And there's just so much head noise. So I hope that we can just end 
answer a few questions. One of the biggest questions is, is there one that is better than the other? I get asked that a lot. And the answer is no, not really. So I just want to also be clear that we are talking about typically developing babies and kiddos. Um, It is a little bit different if there's other factors that come into play. But certainly for, you know, kids who will say all babies who are typically developing, I would say there is no better dummy I would say whatever works for your family and you guys. So if you're into the natural soothers, that's perfectly okay. If you just grab a packet down the supermarket and that works, yeah, there is no better dummy than another. But is thumb sucking or dummy sucking better than the other? That's a really interesting question. I'm going to (laughs) say that dummy sucking is easier to take away because you have control. So whereas, you know, with thumb sucking or finger sucking, and we call those oral habits, then obviously our children and babies are in control of those. So when we come to wanting to support them to not do it anymore, it becomes more tricky to take that away. And you don't really want to saw off their hand. I mean, that's a bit (laughs) extreme, isn't it? But I will say during the actual use of it, Having a thumb sucker and a dummy sucker, the thumb sucking is easier because I never have to find it. I never have to worry, you know, is it clean or not clean? I never run out of it. She's got two on the ends of her arms and they're with her wherever she goes. Absolutely. And so there's pros and cons of everything, you know. I think some people have a real stigma attached to children and babies putting fingers and thumbs in their mouth. And initially, even when babies are typically just exploring with their fingers and thumb, we want them to do that. But some, you know, I even see at times people taking their hands away. And I think that comes from the huge stigma that is thumb sucking or, you know, oral habits. So let's start with thumb sucking. Is there anything you can do to encourage thumb sucking or are some babies or kids just into doing it and some aren't? You can't really encourage it. It just happens. So exploration. So usually I find, you know, a swaddle and it has a zip and they are contained. Mm. I usually find that I see less thumb sucking if they've had those because they haven't been able to get out of a swaddle as easy and explore with their fingers in their mouth and their thumb. So you, I don't think you can encourage it. It just feels really good for some babies and, and little ones and they keep going with that. But I've never been able to encourage that. Alternatively, should you discourage thumb sucking and give a dummy instead? No, because using our fingers and thumbs and dummies, you know, whatever babies put in their mouth is a really good thing. It really, it helps with so many different factors. We talk a lot about the negatives of thumb sucking um, and dummy use. You hear them constantly, but there's actually a huge benefit to using and doing both. So I wouldn't discourage either. It's only as we get on that that's when we chat about having some challenges there. But certainly early on, I think, you know, sort of like what you said, Sophie, it's great. You know, they have two on there, you know, and they can use those to self-soothe and it feels really good. It actually boosts, you know, serotonin and it makes them feel really regulated. Yeah. Part of me loves that Poppy has something with her at all times that 
makes her feel safe and secure. And obviously we'll get to weaning off that. And I don't like to think about that, but I was a thumb sucker when I was younger till about six. And I vaguely remember that it was so nice to have that comfort with you at all times. I was going to ask, Pearl has just started, she uses a dummy. She's currently 12 weeks old. And when she's awake and laying down on a play mat or whatever, she is constantly trying to get her hand in her mouth and suck on her hand and suck on her thumb. Is that just a normal developmental thing? Or is it likely that she will become a thumb sucker? So it's part of typical development for babies to want to put their fingers and thumbs in their mouth. You know, I encourage it. It helps with teeth eruption. It helps with pushing our gag reflex back. So when babies are born, their gag reflex is at the front part of their mouth, which is what is there for safety. And what happens is as we naturally introduce, you know, teethers or fingers and thumbs, that sends that back. So we really want to encourage it. So then when solids are introduced around that six-month mark, we see less gagging if they've had lots of exploration play. Whereas if they haven't, we might see some more gagging as a spoon or food into their mouth. I guess we know about thumb sucking and oral habits is that it does run in families. So I wouldn't be surprised um, now that you say you were a thumb sucker, that maybe she will be as well. So and given that, yeah, both of your girls may be, it'll be interesting to see. We definitely know that putting a dummy in won't stop thumb sucking. So what she will probably do if she's inclined to really suck her thumb is that she might just push it out. Well, that's kind of what she's been trying to do. She tries to get her arms up her sleep suit, which is like still contained at her age, and she knocks because she's trying to get to her hand, she knocks her dummy out. So should I pop an arm out and she might just start sucking her thumb? Well, I think so because, you know, if we look at development in terms of swaddling, that should really be on the phasing outside anyway. So if you think about whole development, that's probably where you could start by doing some tight wrapping but maybe leaving one arm out and, you know, seeing what happens because I think she'll naturally just go to potentially, yeah, oral habits as opposed to the dummy. I think she's going to sleep 12 hours tonight, Jane. <laughs> Here's to hoping. That's what you just said, right? I definitely said that, yes. <laughs> so what are the main concerns with thumb sucking? We know that thumb sucking and finger sucking is part of typical development. And if it's before three, we don't need to worry at all. So it's all part of development and typical development. It becomes, I guess, more of a... I'm not even really going to say issue, but something to consider if it's still present post the age of three. And does that mean at three years that you, you know, like you said, Jade, cut their fingers off? Absolutely (laughs) not. But it's certainly, you know, let's have a look at potentially can we restrict this at some times through the day? You know, and that's gentle restriction as well. It doesn't need to be, you know, very negative, but just having those conversations, you know, being mindful about when we're sucking our thumb. And it's interesting to hear that adults who continue to suck their thumb, who do that in the privacy of their own home, maybe at night when they're really stressed out or they're really tired, and they have learned to do those oral habits when they need to, to get that self-regulation. And so we're just really supporting our little ones to do that as well. 
So how would you restrict? I'm very, very interested because Poppy tends to do it, say, when we're in the car. She has an association between she has a doll that she, like, rubs its hair while she sucks her thumb or if she doesn't have the doll, she rubs her own hair. Um, And it tends to be, you know, if she's watching TV, if she's tired, if she's in the car or when she's going to sleep. So do I gently try and, you know, discourage it but in a positive way like in the car first or how do do you do that? Because Poppy's five, I would really chat to her. So I'd be, you know, looking for some maybe books that you could chat about and talking about, you know, when we suck our thumb, you know, do we see our other, do other friends suck our thumb? And you don't want to make it into something negative because like you said, Sophie, you remember it being so amazing to do as a child. You don't want to make negative associations, but maybe have a chat to her and come up with a plan together. So I would pick when potentially you can be the most present. So, you know, in the car is probably not the best place to say we're not going to, you know, we're going to try and not suck our thumb in the car. But maybe when you're sitting on the couch reading a book together, maybe that's a time to start. So we're going to read a book and we're going to, you know, not put our thumb in our mouth and see how we go. And then it's just really supporting her to feel empowered and in control of that herself. So I was a dummy sucker to the point where I had one in my mouth apparently, one in each foot and (laughs) one in each hand and that's how I would sleep. And I was five and my dad said, you're a big girl now, we're about to go to school, Uh, I think it's time that we bury the dummies, you know, and we just, you know, that's it. And we did that. And I was so upset that I, a few days later, went to dig up to try and find the dummies in the jar and they were gone. But after that, I was like, oh, well, and I just never really needed it anymore. And I find that my, and I know we'll talk about dummies soon, but I find like when I told Billy, who was around three years of age, Billy, the tooth fairy is going to pick up the dummy to give it to another baby. Literally a few days later, she was like, meh. And that was it. So I just don't know. Obviously, it must be so much harder, though, because your thumb is attached to your body that you can always rely on. I remember so clearly when I gave up my thumb and my parents bribed me. I still remember the Barbie camper van they bribed me with. They said, once you stop sucking your thumb, you can have a Barbie camper van. They'd tried that nail polish. I just knew that I just had to endure the nail polish for literally like one lick and then it would be gone like it tasted feral but I was like oh it's over within 10 seconds and I wanted this Barbie camper van so badly that I would sleep on my arms at night but it meant that in the morning it would take like 45 minutes for my arms to like have blood supply again but I got my Barbie camper van and I stopped sucking my thumb but so like how do we do it at night because surely that's just an innate thing that they do. Absolutely it is. And that's exactly why I guess this comes into the next point of discussion is that if by three you start thinking, oh, I'd really like to, you know, start thinking about weaning off some oral habits, you know, and doing some gentle approaches and it's really challenging and you, you know, get to four or five, what they're finding now is that there can be underlying causes. And when I say causes, you know, I mean things like gut associations with health. So when babies or, um, or little ones are sucking their thumb, 
It can be, you know, releases serotonin. It can also help with, you know, swallowing and help to relieve, say, reflux or sleep disturbances. So really checking in, you know, I guess at that point of four or five, that's when I would start thinking about seeing somebody if it hasn't worked in terms of your own gentle approaches, because I'd be looking at things like oral structures or are they a mouth breather, you know, and are they really needing that extra support? So is oral habits, thumb sucking or finger sucking, are they masking something? And that's where I'd be, I guess, tapping into a professional at that point. And what are the main concerns in terms of what thumb sucking does? Is it more than affecting teeth? I would say that's the main reason. And then, of course, masking if there's other things going on and just social things. So some people have a huge issue with, you know, people sucking thumbs. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard it down the street, particularly you, Sophie. You know, why is your little one sucking their thumb? Or get that out of their mouth. And so I think it comes back to fitting in really as much as you don't want to say that. So I think they're mainly the two factors would be, yeah, pushing out those particularly front four teeth at the top, pushing those forward. And is that permanent? It can be. And it depends on a few factors. So we talk about how intensely, you know, the little ones are sucking their thumbs or fingers. And we talk about also the duration as well. So are they doing it for a really long time? Are they doing it really intensively? And how often through the day are they doing it? And that's where we really try to, I guess, jump in with some of those gentle strategies to support that. I know that we're talking about thumb sucking and we're talking about dummy sucking, but my third child sucks on the end of a bunny and these jelly cats, not that they are sponsoring this episode. uh, Well, it might do the opposite. It might be good for them or bad. It's not just my child. It's loads of kids. But in particular, Yumi uses one ear to obviously like what Poppy does, yeah, wrap and rub. And then the other one she sucks on. Now, one hygienically, it's so disgusting. It gets dragged on the floor, put in her mouth. I mean, she rarely gets sick. So I don't know if that's actually helped. But also, it's at night, you hear this like this ticking sound because she's really, really soothing herself. So is this a part of like dummy sucking and thumb sucking where we've got to get to a point, she's four now, that I say you're a big girl, maybe it's time to give up the bunny? Yes. So I would say that sucking an item like, yeah, like the jelly cat. And I've seen that so many times. And is it riffraffs? Are they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So lots of sucking with those as well. And I would say I would put them in the same category as thumb sucking. So if, you know, another gentle I guess technique is that you can go in at night and then make sure you take it out of their mouth so then they're not necessarily you know they might be gently going to sleep sucking it but then you make sure you take it out and I would just be approaching it in the same way as you would a thumb sucker or dummy user really it falls under the same category so it feels really nice. Someone wrote in saying everyone seems to be getting braces when they're older nowadays anyway so why does it matter? if we move the teeth around with our thumb. (laughs) I mean, and that's a, you know, a really fair point. You know, at the end of the day, you're the parent and you make the decisions. And if you're really happy with your little one, 
having a dummy until they go to school, knowing that maybe it might, you know, impact on some things we'll chat about soon when we get to dummy use or thumb sucking. And you know that that's the outcome. That's your decision as a parent, I think. So I think it's, you know, whether you address things now or you address things later or maybe both, we don't know anyway. So I think it just comes back to the parents making those decisions. And what can we do if their thumb keeps getting blistered and sore? Yeah, that's a really tough one. I think that comes back to that frequency and intensity. So that's, you know, pending their age, that's where I'd be looking to, I guess, support, you know, depending how old they are and what they understand. But, you know, introducing a little code word for when you notice they're really going hard on sucking on their thumb might be a nice one just to reduce some of that intensity. Mm. Yeah, so I think... I guess at the end of the day, thumb sucking overrides having sores on your fingers because it feels so nice. Well, Poppy became ambidextrous. She just <laughs> learnt how to, because she did suck one and then that one got sore. So she learnt how to suck the other one and now she takes it in turns between the two. Whichever one's easier access, she does that one. Well, that's a good skill. So you said, like, you know, if they're around four or five and it could be masking something and it's like time to maybe see a professional, what what are other things that professionals will put in place? Like I've seen some kids have a wrist guard type looking thing. What's the next step if that gentle chatting about it isn't working? So... No matter who you see, it should be individualized. So I would never seek a program that's just one size fits all because I think that, you know, you really need to look at the individual situation. I think from a professional standpoint, it's just making sure that masking isn't there. So really, you know, if you're seeing a child and you feel like it's just a prolonged thumb sucking or finger sucking and there isn't any mask issues then there are other avenues such as yeah there is a thumb guard that you can get like you said Sophie they can do nail polish um you know that tastes awful there's lots of things like that and that's when you do get into some of those restrictive type approaches my cousin was about 13 years of age I think and she ended up wanting to get braces and they actually put a guard underneath her front teeth so it actually deterred her. Well, she probably couldn't have got the same suction. Yeah. So what they did, it was like a metal thing. So every time she went to put in to soothe, she couldn't do it. And she had to do that before she even got braces. So that for an older child is another way of getting them used to going, oh, actually, this is not giving me the comfort that I usually have. And they end up getting over it. Exactly. And it's exactly the same as having a, you know, what is it called? Like a glove on, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just that restrictive really to not get that same feeling that feels really good. And so they're not going to continue to do that if it's not giving them what they need. All right. Now moving on to dummies. Okay. Do they deserve the bad rap that they get? Absolutely not. I am a pro-dummy person from being a mum and a health professional as well. I think there's lots of pros for using a dummy. It's more just when there's prolonged use past what is recommended. 
All right, so let's start what with the pros. Yeah. Let's be positive here. Yeah, absolutely. So pros are that, you know, it feels really nice. So babies suck and then they get a boost of serotonin. So it feels really nice. You know, when you guys take your babies to get their immunizations and they often say, oh, just pop baby on the breast while we do that. So it's the same feeling. It's It feels really nice. It can mask, you know, gentle uncomfortableness and pain. It can help with, you know, general skills in terms of using our mouth and lips and tongue, and it helps with sleep. This makes me really sad, though. It's like you you think about the pros and it's nurturing, it's comfort, it's this, Mm. it's that, and then here we are going, all right, it's time to stop all that comfort and nurturing because we've all made a decision (laughs) that at this age you guys can't do that anymore, so let's call it quits, and it's like, but everyone's no finding comfort. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's why the key is to remove the dummy before they're one. So you're not getting into that territory of that. Before they're one. Yeah. So before they're one is when a dummy should essentially be taken. And remember, say, do as I say, not as I do. I will jump yeah. you. Uh, like my little boy, he was nearly three and I knew that it was time. He, I could tell by looking at him, he had, you know, his front teeth were really moving forward and we were going overseas for my brother's wedding. So I thought, I'm just not going to pack any. I don't know what I was thinking. And <laughs> when we got there, it was just awful and my brother-in-law said I am off to find a dummy a pharmacy something because it was so horrific but day three we were done never looked back oh wow you persevered well I didn't have a choice I uh, because if there was a dummy anywhere I would have bought it I'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) I think you made your own (laughs) oh we thought a lot of yeah different things but I think that really tells you it's more about potentially what our skill set is you know how committed we are to doing it because it's hard and that's why you know really not having them in the house so at night time once you make that decision how easy is it to go oh my gosh it's 1am and I'm spent and you just go and grab a dummy whereas when you don't have access to that it's you know from a parent perspective it makes it easier on you I think Goldie was about five months when we got rid of hers. And I will say I did, she was never dummy obsessed. Mm. Like she, she, it helped her fall asleep, but she was never, but I guess they probably don't become dummy obsessed till they're older anyway, right? Because when you're a five month old, what are you obsessed with? (laughs) No, but I feel like you can't. Yeah. But we, I all of a sudden just felt like overnight she was waking so much and it was just because the dummy was falling out more so than her needing to wake. And I just felt like her dummy bitch. And I was like, this is not working anymore. And honestly, I don't even think it took a full day. And she was just like, oh yeah, like, I now sleep without the dummy. And so I think that was because it was so early. It made it really easy. Or is it the fact that there's there's kids that like them or not? Because Mia, I was forcing the dummy in her mouth going, take this, and she kept spitting it out. And I'm like, hang on, maybe she just doesn't like it. And then my second child, same age, dummy, was like locked and loaded, don't you get rid of this thing. Absolutely. I think it is preference. Some babies just really love that sucking reflex. You know, it really supports them and other babies don't necessarily need or get that same serotonin boost from that. So I think it's just dependent on the baby. 
really? Well, the reason that I asked that is because my middle child used to scream blue murder after a feed. And the question that we have here is, can dummies help with reflux, colic and help develop a better suck for feeding? Does the dummy help with upset tummies and upset babies? Obviously, because they shut up when you put the <laughs> dummy in their mouth. <laughs> exactly. Yes, they do. So that's part of the pro and why I love them so much because, you know, if you've got a really upset baby and you know they're not hungry, then putting a dummy in is really soothing for them and it can really support with their upset tummies, reflux, colic. So I really love them for that reason. We somewhat forced the dummy on Pearl. She definitely didn't. She spat it out a lot when we first started, but we persevered because we just felt like, okay, if we're going into life with three kids now, we need some form of tool other than the boob. Like I'm not going to ignore her if she's hungry, but I was like, I just need to be able to buy myself three or so minutes here and there if I'm literally in the middle of something and she just needs to cluster feed and cluster feed and cluster feed. And so I felt like that really helped, but we had to really, persevere she didn't want it at the start absolutely and I hear probably the opposite like how do I get my baby to take a dummy and you know I think that's where it becomes really tricky because some families you know mums go into hospital to have a baby and you're frowned upon for taking you know a dummy with you so they're not really sure even how to introduce it because it's so shunned to a degree and so you're just on your own and like you said you're just shoving it in hoping for the best and then sometimes it doesn't work so I think it just comes back to yeah how you know how much you really want your baby to have it how you know much perseverance you have and then just being gentle with it. When should you introduce a dummy? They say bottle fed babies from birth and breastfed babies between four and six weeks once breastfeeding is established. And there's some research around that um, in that there is some can be essentially some nipple confusion, but I think it's more around, you know, breastfed babies might cry and then instead of feeding them, if you put a dummy in, you might miss those hunger cues. Mm. So I, you know, I've breastfed all four babies and offered dummies from birth. I just guess, you know, I try to tune into when they might be hungry as opposed to when I actually need them to take a dummy to get me three minutes to cook dinner. Yeah. I'm not going against evidence. And obviously it was my third baby. So I feel like maybe more I would know what a hungry baby looks like. But I can assure you, Pearl is not keeping the dummy in if she's she's hungry. hungry. And look, that might not be the same for all babies, but I feel like, I don't know, anecdotally, I feel like they make it pretty clear when the dummy is not what they are looking for. I tend to agree with you. And definitely if that was that easy, I think we'd all be, you know, doing that overnight. We'd have sleeping babies that, you know, go eight hours like you're going to get tonight. Sophie, apparently. And <laughs> tough, so, tough. Yeah. So I think, you know, it is about using your, I guess, best judgment. And, you know, maybe I know that, you know, babies who are breastfed generally feed more frequently. So taking that into consideration, certainly, you know, rather than just, I guess, popping a dummy in every three hours. But I tend to agree with the both of you from a personal experience that, yeah, a hungry baby will not essentially settle. 
with a dummy instead of a feed. I remember when Billy was, she would have been around 12 weeks and she had some sort of reflux or colic. We still don't know. Dr. Golly and I talk about it. I don't know what she had anyway. (laughs) She wasn't happy. She was not happy. And I grabbed two dummies and I was like, I can't do it. I actually, as a mum hearing her cry, it was tearing me apart. So mum came up and she went to the chemist and she bought seven different dummies and she persevered. Like she was a grandma on a mission and she just sat She had it up against your nipple. She's like, which one looks (laughs) the most like Jade's nipple? But I didn't. I just, she took her away from me because obviously I was stressed and over it and she sat there and then she came up like there was just one she kept on persevering and then there was just this one style dummy that Billy took to and that was it and honestly that night I was like crying in happiness because I was like thank you this is actually mentally and physically and emotionally saving my life right now. My word of advice if you don't mind what dummy your child has Get one that is stocked at your local chemist or supermarket because I swear the dummies go wherever the like second sock goes to some part in your house that you can never access again. I bought like six last week and I think I'm down to two. Mm. I don't know where they go. Mm. I don't know where the socks go, but they go to the same place. And so if it can be somewhere that is easy to grab more, that's my word of advice. Except when you're weaning them off the dummy, then they find them. It's like, hey, like I thought we, you know, we lost these and then they just magically appear. So (laughs) even more reason to do like direct to boot or click and collect or whatever. Don't take your kids to the supermarket. (laughs) Yes. Do dummies reduce the risk of SIDS? Research says yes. We don't know why. They're still, you know, I guess looking into that and there really is not one reason that they have found as, you know, to why. But, yes, there is direct links, which is amazing. And is thumb sucking the same or is it just with dummies? They haven't researched thumb sucking. Why? I don't know, actually. I think maybe it's harder to potentially monitor And Mm. potentially early on when SIDS is more prevalent, it's probably not as an intense sucking action as you would see with a dummy. So we see that later on as opposed to early, yeah, in the child's little one's life. So we've talked about the good parts. What are the main concerns with dummies? So the concerns, I guess, really amp up once the little one is one. So from, you know, zero to three months, they say certainly you can use um, at night and, you know, through the day to soothe. And then three to six months really start having it just for bed. And then six months to 12 months bed only with the idea to wean by their first birthday. And then post one, we can see challenges that may erupt with dentition, so the way our teeth are structured, speech, sound development, language. So if you've always, you know, got a dummy in your mouth, it can be tricky to understand you at times. Increased saliva is another one. So we know that, you know, putting things in our mouth does increase saliva production. So that's another reason as well. Billy actually had very like her teeth around the three-year mark were quite wide and starting to become a little bit bucked. And the dentist said to us, you know, it would be a really good time just to remove the dummy because that's what it 
seems to be doing. I had a dummy, however, had several dummies and never had an issue with anything happening to my teeth. But with Billy, because it was her first teeth, they absolutely went like it was incredible the change. You look back at her mouth then to now, she has the straightest teeth. As in once you got rid of the dummy. Yet it just, like their gums at that age, and I don't know how long this goes for, but kids, it all just moves and straightens and it's it's just strange how you get rid of one thing and then all of a sudden everything changes back. Absolutely. And I can look at a little one and see straight away if they're a dummy user or a thumb sucker. You just get sort of used to picking those, I guess, patterns. How can you tell? I can see the way that the mouth is structured and the way that the teeth form over. So they really, it's not necessarily the dummy that makes your teeth come forward. It's that your tongue position, the way that it sits in the mouth when you're sucking a dummy impacts on the way that your teeth move forward. And so by looking at them, you can really, they have a pattern and you can really see the way their teeth look. Hence why they say before their first birthday, you know, really before all of their teeth are coming through or have come through. And so if they're less than one, what's the best way to get rid of it? Do you just go cold turkey? I think it comes back to your parenting style. I probably couldn't do that and hence I had to get on a plane overseas to do that for my family. I can't believe you did a plane ride with a child without their dummy. Like that that's that's cruel on you, yeah. not cruel on them. That's right. I don't know what I was thinking. And that's yeah. So I think it just comes back to, you know, your parenting style and and how you can do it. So I think if you've followed the steps and you're only using it for sleep then it shouldn't be something that's really hard. You know, we can potentially at one, we can still gently pat, you know, or we can rub their back to sleep and we can support them in other ways. You know, offering um, like a comfort is a really nice one as well. So, yeah, there's lots of ways that we can do it. Some people do go cold turkey and, you know, if that sits with their parenting style, you know, some people cut them and I don't do that. But, you know, if some people want to do it, then I guess at the end of the day, it's what sits. Yeah. Well, as a family, how are you going to tackle it? I guess if maybe you introduced some other sleep tools while they still had the dummy and then got rid of the dummy. Like I used to connect the dummy to a little comforter Mm -hmm. and we kept the comforter and gave the dummy up. And then when we gave the dummy up. Oh, like those dummies that have the soft toy attached to the end Oh, not those ones. (laughs) But similar. No judgment if you No, but very similar. But funnily enough, when we got rid of the dummy, she was like, I don't need this comforter. (laughs) (laughs) Just piff the comforter. Exactly, because I think the attachment was probably to the dummy as opposed to the comforter. Absolutely. Can I make a note on those comforters that are attached to the dummy? And, yes, please. Okay. And also the chains, you know, like all the yep. Trans- yep. The names. The clip the thing. Clips. Yes. It's a big no from me because yep. they add weight. So they add weight to the dummy, hence why it might feel really nice because it almost, you know, gives that extra sensory input, but it also impacts on them pushing it out even more so or more forward. Oh, well, that's where we went wrong. It's not wrong. It's just how do you know? But 
if you think about, I guess, a little, let's say, you know, 14-month-old toddling around with a dummy and then something hanging from it, even a clip, mm. you, know, you think I'm just attaching it to their clothes so they can find it, you know, that extra weight that they're getting when they're sucking on that is, yeah, definitely not what we like to see from an oral development perspective. Speaking of dummies falling out, are you meant to sterilise the dummy after every use, how often should you be replacing them? Put it in your mouth. Is it fine that I pick it off off the floor, pop it in my mouth and then pop it in hers? What should we be doing? Okay, so there's no set rule. So it's every time you use a dummy, this is the guidelines, that you're to check it's intact and clean and pop it in. That's the direct sort of way about it. I don't know what parent could possibly do that because I think I would just whack it in regardless, as particularly in the middle of the night. I think that if it looks okay and you've cleaned it, you know, let's be honest, once a day, once every couple of days, I think that that's okay. Pending on the dummy too. So I don't know what you call them and they're all in one and they're orangey natural dummies. Yeah. Oh, the rubber ones. The rubber ones. So I think from a cleanliness perspective or hygienic perspective, there's no little bits that saliva can get into, whereas the true part ones, it's obviously yeah. it can get a bit, you know. Gross. Yeah, pretty gross. So I would just make sure that you're, you know, I think it's between zero and six months you to sterilise and then six months post you can use warm soapy water. They say absolutely not to put in your own mouth and then put in their mouth because we obviously all have bacteria in our mouth and so then we're actually putting that bacteria straight into their mouth. So the floor is probably cleaner than my mouth? Correct, yes. Wow. <laughs> so definitely no popping it into your mouth and then to babies, yeah. Noted. Hang definitely on. Noted. So you're saying if I'm down outside or up, I'm in the supermarket, the, the dummy drops on the filthy floor, I'm better off popping it in my kid's mouth or would you use a baby wipe or something to clean it? Hmm. If that, I would probably, if I'm talking from a professional point of view, I would say, okay, we can't use that dummy anymore. It's fallen on the floor and it's probably got germs on it and I can't put it in my mouth because it's got more germs. I would have a spare that's already sterilised, Jade. Clever. And, <laughs> and what about in your personal opinion? Oh, look. I think it depends how, you know, it depends how cranky. I'd put it in my mouth and then put it in there. Depends how much the child's crying. Exactly. I'd You know, pending, I don't know. I mean, you just have to use your best judgment because I know there's no way I'd be putting something on a dirty supermarket floor into my baby's mouth. So No. And there are days where, like, you're the mum where you're like, oh, yeah, don't worry, got the backup, like, got it all together, the baby bags here, the nappy bags. And then other days, which is the most days, that's the only dummy we've got. Yeah. I can't find any others. I'm not looking for anything in the whole world. And you're like, that's all you're going to get. So... I remember my grandma always going, Jade, stop putting the dummy in your mouth and then giving it to the baby. Mm, And I was like, yeah, well, turns out she's right. What's with the older generation being so against dummies? Did they not use them? Well, they're relatively, you know, if you think about it, they're relatively new-ish. How new? I would say. Google it? Yeah, I would Google it. That's a great idea. I mean, you know, 
our generation and would have had dummies, but I wouldn't imagine our parents would have had dummies. Like if you think about photos of your parents as babies, I don't think I've ever really seen like a dummy in their mouth. Yeah, that's true. Pacifiers were invented in the early 20th century. The modern version of the pacifier was patented in 1901 in Manhattan. But when did they really become... Yeah, like like widespread use. Yeah. I'm not sure. We'll go with that. Yeah, none of our parents' baby photos had but dummies. I read some really interesting information yesterday and it said, you know, dummies are only for to support parents and mums. And I thought, yeah, of course they are though. Like, (laughs) you know, let's be realistic. Of course they are. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Don't we use lots of things? Well, and the kids are fine with it. Like they're pretty content. Last time I checked. Yeah, I, I, well, that's just classic like, oh, it must be a bad thing if it's only to make mm. a parent's life easier. Yeah. It's like yeah. isn't that, doesn't making a parent's life easier then in turn, isn't that beneficial for the baby <laughs> in other ways, even outside of the dummy? Well, isn't, you could say the same thing for a pram. Like really, yeah. <laughs> really, it's not for the baby. It's actually for us. So I don't know where that generation stuff comes from, but, yeah, it's, I think just own it. Like if you're happy, babe's happy, does it matter? Absolutely. So we've said that it's best to get rid of before one. Yes. What if I'm listening, my child is 18 months old and dummy obsessed. Mm -hmm. Is it best to then wait until they're three or so and they can comprehend Mm. what giving up the dummy means, whether that be a dummy fairy, the Easter bunny, whatever, or should I get rid of it as soon as possible? I would definitely try to get rid of it as soon as possible because we know, I guess, the reasons behind why we shouldn't have it. But maybe you could look at to do some gentle reduction. So what we talked about, so not having it through the day just for naps to start with, introducing a soft toy or some other replacement. So then when you take it, it's not, you know, so I guess such a huge thing if you go in cold turkey. So implementing some other strategies before, you know, taking the dummy completely. And if they are over three and they do have some understanding, what are tools that you've found work? Do things like the Easter bunny coming and taking it away, does that seem to work? I think for some people I hear that, yeah, Santa, you know, Easter bunny and they leave them out and I hear huge success with that. And then others I feel like then that little one hates you know, Santa Claus. So, you know, there was one where that was a huge thing. And in the morning she woke up and she got all she wanted. She was four, but she did not care because he took the dummy and really did not like him at all. So I think just go with your parents. Like, you know, your child best more than anyone. And so I think you'll have that understanding about how they will cope with, I guess, giving it away. You are right. And it's also gauging where your child's at. Like I felt when I was asking Billy that she was pretty happy to help little babies and give the dummy to the babies that I kept on saying needed her dummy. But if she was like, no, 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 then... I don't care about the babies. Yeah, then you would go, okay, well, this That's may cool. not work. I've heard it's best to avoid saying that, like, if you're pregnant, Ooh, not yeah. giving it to the new baby because that can lead to a lot of resentment and jealousy. I think so. And I think it comes back to, as well, like, picking the time where it suits your family and your little one. So if you guys are moving house or you're starting a new childcare or, you know, there's got, they've got something big going in, on in their life, like they're having a new baby, I would not be then looking to wean 
off anything at that point. I'd be making sure that everyone's in a good space to do so. Because like I talked about earlier, it's a lot on a parent as well. So you're the one that's probably going to be getting up in the middle of the night and doing those other things to support. So you need to be ready as well. So I think it's a combination of you being ready, good time in, you know, in your life as best as possible. And also like minimizing, I guess, if there's any big events that could be happening. I wonder how it would go down with Yumi if tonight I cut her bunny's ears off in her sleep and we just said that, I know that's horrendous, isn't it? I'm 31 and I would be scared. (laughs) No, but imagine if we just, oh, look, bunny. Bunny's ears fell off. Yeah, and that's it. You have so much wildlife in your house that she'll probably think (laughs) that one of the snakes or the bats took the bunny's ears. Is that where you're thinking you're at, to cut the ears off? Well, I'm not anywhere near anything. I'm I'm just sort of... Does she have it during the day? She has it during the day when she's at home and being a little bit lazy. And then at night, because she sleeps with me, it's quite... It's very, like, I don't like hearing snoring and I don't like hearing the ticking, the sucking that she's making when she, like, every now and then she'll put it back in her mouth. You can hear she's asleep, but she's, and I have tried to remove it, but that suction, she's got that really tight. So then she goes to grab it and put it straight back. There's quite a big connection to it. (laughs) So then I probably wouldn't suggest cutting its ears off. (laughs) But, yeah, I think, you know, because you do sleep with her, could you have a chat before bedtime about could we try something different tonight? So you're not taking the bunny away. Okay. Could you do back rubbing or hair, you know, like playing with her hair and then really encouraging her. So if you don't pop this in, you know, your mouth tonight, like I know it feels really good, but this is what we're going to try, then maybe there's, you know, a bit of a gentle reward system as well. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to give that a go. Like Sophie said, really reducing it through the day as well, I think would be a good start. So we just have our bunny in bed and then I wouldn't even be having it out through the day because we know that for her, that association between holding it and popping it in her Mm. mouth is really strong. So if you just keep it in bed, you might try and even just break that through the day. Great idea. And just consistency. I think I'm going to do something similar because Poppy has such an association with her her doll and thumbing and thumbing her suck, sucking her thumb. I think I might, you know, have the conversation that Lulu's only for bed at night Mm. and tackle daytime first because she does as soon as she plays with the hair. It's like she can't help but put her thumb in. Yeah. And then on the flip side, I'm going to get Pearl's arm out and she, <laughs> and she can start go. sucking her thumb <laughs> and I'll deal with that in Another however time. many years. Yeah, It's perfect. And most children give up, you know, oral habits by the age of three. Most children. Sorry, Sophie. So kids just stop sucking. Like really? Kids just stop sucking their thumb? Yeah. They and do. what leads to that? It feels so good. <laughs> and I think that that's just, you know, the difference, I guess. Maybe they just find something that feels just as good or they don't, you know, maybe their dentition changes or something changes in their oral space that makes them not get that, you know, intense feeling anymore. And so I guess when they're saying that it continues you know, is there something else underlying or does it just feel really amazing? And so breaking that you know, is really tricky. I found for me, I in when the dummy's 
got away from my mouth and hands and feet <laughs> that I would rub my feet together and I still oh. to this day, what do you mean? I can't oh. rub my feet together. I hate that what? feeling. Yeah. The front the front of your feet, that's what puts me to sleep every night. That that freaks you out. I can rub someone else's feet, oh, but good. I can't rub my own feet together. I don't oh, know. It feels so like funny. there's like friction it's so, it's so good. good try it it's like rubbing your feet together it's like another sensory input Have it is that was all of our questions and you have just answered them delightfully. Thank yeah. you so much. We've got both got homework on our hands. We do. <laughs> on our hands <laughs> and in our mouths. And in our mouths. We've got them everywhere. But we really appreciate this chat. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all these tips and tricks with us. Thank you guys for having me and um, good luck. Thank you. We'll, we'll keep you updated. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.